the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Uh, shout out to the one and only super producer, Max Williams. They call me Ben. Also, I'm a lover of dogs. Uh, Noel, you and I have talked about this before, right? About your love of dogs? About, well, dogs in general, because uh, the the lo- our local hangout spot that we sh- we've been shouting out a lot recently is uh, bo- those places are dog friendly. And, you know, there's there's nothing quite like getting there's this validation that I feel when a dog, a random dog like comes up and likes me. I'm like, all right, OK, I'm doing something. Absolutely. I mean, it's sort of like that uh, trope from science fiction movies where like when the bad aliens are coming the dogs are always the first to know yeah you know? uh, yeah really yeah. really great uh, barometer for all things uh, sinister uh so if a dog comes up to you and gives you a little nuzzle and lets you pet it probably means you're a relatively okay person yeah and you like you you have a cat but you like dogs as well i think can't stand them no, I'm kidding. I love dogs. Uh, I, it takes a particular type of dog. There are some dogs that, let's just say, test me a little bit. Uh, my girlfriend's dog, Jude, who is uh, like a lab mix kind of situation. She is a little older, but just so sweet. And she'll like lay down right at the foot of your bed. And, you know, she, she'll bark when there's danger, but not uh, sure. overly so. She doesn't freak out for no reason. So, uh, yeah, I love the idea of a dog. Uh, as a protector, a dog as a companion, and then, you know, like, a, dare I say, even like a familiar. Hmm? Yeah, there we go. That's one thing that dogs do very well. Uh, they tend to be bonded quite closely with their humans, and also uh, they tend to be quite protective. In some dog breeds, this is a trait that has been bred into them purposefully and it's amazing to see dogs without any kind of like training or education for instance just sort of naturally start herding sheep that's crazy that's crazy specific but before we begin i I think you're getting us the perfect setup i gotta ask max what's your pet situation man so I am a very proud cat lover. I have I have only one cat right now because mm. she's extremely territorial and like, aggressive <laughs> with other animals, which is funny. Cause she's eight pounds, solid white with like a high pitched meow. She's like not intimidating at all, <laughs> but she has her claws. She's pathetic. I love her to death. I love this cat. <laughs> no, I think you might know my cat. What's your cat's name? Uh, her name's Sylvia. She's had multiple names throughout the throughout the years. It was Germaine at one point. She was a stray that got found. There's a whole story behind my cat. 
I don't know that I've met your cat, Max, but I love the idea of a cat with morphing names. I once had a cat Ooh. with two names, uh, Robert and Fernando. Fernando! And you'd him, yeah, you'd call him different things depending on the situation. Like if he was being a bad boy, you'd, you'd say, Robert! And if he was being a sweetie, you'd say, oh, Fernando. Um, I've got, uh, I got, I got a cat with multiple names too. I, he is a cat with a thousand names because when I got him, the folks who were living with me, I messed up and I made it democratic and uh, no one, no one won the vote. So we yeah. were just like, this cat has as many names as it wants, but we're not talking about cats. Even well, though we all at least, them. at least nobody named it Catty McCatface. I'm just going to say yeah. that right now. No, I've got the one cat with many names uh, and one that I refer to as the Colonel. And then another cat named Dr. Vankman, which is still like one of my top 10 favorite names for a pet. Incredible pet name. Incredible pet. It's not quite as, uh, it's not quite as, I would say, as much of a statement as naming a dog boy. Right. Today, today right. We're, we're talking about uh, an amazing, an amazing little pooch, Poodle, who is sometimes called Puddle and sometimes called Boy, a uh, very magic dog, uh, allegedly, and true story, uh, scholars cite this guy as the, well, scholars cite this dog, I should say, as the first ever British military dog. That's right. This dog was the best boy of uh, Prince Rupert of the Rhine. Rupert of the Rhine was a German nobleman. Uh, he went on to do all kinds of amazing things that we'll, we'll get to some of uh, in today's episode, but we're mainly going to talk about his political and military career. Um, but he did go on to become an artist and a scientist and an inventor. Uh, he was the nephew of King Charles I of England and cousin, uh, first cousin rather, of King Charles II of England. So he was in the mix with these royals. And he was uh, introduced into a military life very, very young. I believe by around the age of 13 in 1633, yeah. when he began his tenure in the military during the Thirty Years' War. Yeah, he was a child soldier. That's what we would call it today. Uh, this war had a personal toll on him because it resulted in his father, Frederick, Elector Palatine, and briefly the king of bohemia losing his crown and so he's he's growing up in times of war and during one of the wars he took part in when he was still very young he was around 17 or so it's the 30 years war in germany he fought against the holy roman empire and he was captured but because you know he was well to do and from the ruling class he had a little bit different treatment as a pow null he was locked up in a castle in austria the linz castle and the main thing that his captors wanted from him was not necessarily like a ransom or you know political clout their main issue was they wanted to convert him from calvinism to catholicism so like every day they come in and they say feeling catholic yeah, uh, that's a hard pass. But the puritanical nature of Rupert's opponents in these battles is really what leads to the kind of propaganda around uh, him and his dog in particular. Uh, he gets, he was actually gifted this uh, this white poodle, which is actually bred to be a hunting dog. Uh, they were bred to uh, retrieve ducks, you know, or other, you know, uh, game birds you know, when they were shot down over water usually. And uh, they're kind of little Velcro-like curls that you see. Mm. I mean, you know, obviously poodles can be groomed in bizarre and elaborate ways, but typically just like a short hair poo poodle that doesn't have like pom-poms shaved into it have these curly, almost knit-like coats. Yeah, very apparently dense. Are very dense, exactly, and very good for uh, keeping them warm, but also uh, increasing their buoyancy, which allowed them to be very, very effective at retrieving those birds. Yeah, yeah. And at this point, a bit of foreshadowing, ridiculous historians. It is important to note that while he was incarcerated, some soldiers from the Austrian side started spreading these rumors that Rupert had supernatural abilities, mm -hmm. what we would call superhuman abilities today. But to them, this was uh, the result of magic. He was invulnerable to bullets, what they called whoosh, whoosh, shot free uh they right. said they had like fired at him at point blank range 
And it wasn't that their weaponry was flawed. It was that this guy was somehow immune to bullets, which is a nice, it's a nice rumor to have about you, although it could come back to to bite you as we see. Yeah. But- <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna test this theory out. Um, blast this guy at point blank range. But that's exactly what that was claimed. Was claimed yeah. that he could take shots uh, up close and and still you know walk away unscathed. I love the idea of shot free being kind of mm-hmm. an old timey version of bulletproof. You know. Yeah, and and they thought this is the thing though. They didn't just make this up out of whole cloth, right? People really believed throughout you know, uh, the area at this time, they really believed that it was possible to use magic to make yourself shot free. Let's say shot free instead of bulletproof. I like that. Totally. Um, really quickly, right up front, just want to list some amazing sources that we use yeah. for this episode. We've got History Extra, an article called The Prince and His Devil Dog. And this is a piece actually for uh, the BBC's History Magazine and also BBC History Revealed. Uh, we have a lovely little article from the Vintage News about Boy, the Magical Dog of Prince Rupert of the Rhine. And we also have a great one from Alice Obscura, one of our favorites. 375 years later, English school children still learn about a magic propaganda dog uh, mm-hmm. by Eric Grundhauser and a few others that we'll list along the way, but those are the big ones. I'd like to shout out some specifically. Please. Mark Stoyle also wrote a book about this uh, called, I'm not going to give the full title till the end, but it's called The Black Legend of Prince Rupert's Dog. And then there's a, there's a book we'll pull a little bit from that was published in 1643 called observations upon prince rupert's white dog called boy carefully taken (laughs) by tb for the purpose employed by for some of quality in the city of london i'm reading from a very old copy yeah i believe that's a pamphlet and part of this uh propaganda war that we start to see uh waged against uh rupert and his dog boy so he gets the dog and immediately they're inseparable it like is by his side he brings it to several battles um Mm -hmm. he really starts to get involved in the in this campaign uh against parliament right Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know. I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right? Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I meant I said El Camino <laughs> and I meant Monte Carlo. 
I miss it so. Uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos, and the last one, God bless it, I just I I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally, but it, it still was like a a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now. Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about how how Boy gets on the scene. So like we said, because of his high social status, Rupert is being treated better than your garden variety prisoner. And there's a guy, an Englishman named the Earl of Arundel, who is an old, old friend of the family. And he says, you know, what's going to help Rupert out here? He might feel a little less, less uh, down on himself if he has some company. So I'm going to send him a puppy. Uh, this was a different time. I hope everybody knows today that if you send, if you give someone a dog as a gift, unless you know explicitly what kind of dog they want and they've said it, then you're not giving them a gift. You're giving them a responsibility. <laughs> but this, this was a different circumstance. And uh, the reason I said this guy and then changed it to this dog is because even though they named the dog boy, she was female and. Like Noel said, she is. She was down to ride. She was ride or die for Rupert. That was her human. And you can see these accounts of Rupert and Boy going on hunts together. It's very Pixar. You know what I mean? It's very like first act of a Disney or Pixar film. So they know that, like you had said earlier, Noel, they know that this was definitely a working dog, a hunting dog, because there are stories about the dog helping him, you know, hunt deer and whatnot. But this is important because it carries on to boys' behavior in war, right? Like that, those same sets of skills are helping, helping boy, I want to say. But also, I have to ask, do you think, like, how active do you think boy really was? As we'll see, this is kind of a tough question to answer. I don't know. I mean, it's like it would take some really specific training to train a poodle uh, to do more than retrieve ducks, you know, to actually like attack and go for the throat. But there are all these like woodcuts of, uh, of mm -hmm. Prince Rupert and boy where he was so his brand, right, was like so tied to this dog that you knew just from like their kind of proximity in these uh, images um, who we were dealing with. He invades the city of Birmingham and actually sets fire to, to several houses. And Boy is apparently by his side uh, during that battle. And you have images of this that actually have to name the city of Birmingham, like in text in the background, even though there's the fires. So like the burning and the sacking of that city was less iconic than the man himself and this, you know, this devil dog. Uh, <laughs> oftentimes it's portrayed like a, a crazy, ferocious black lion uh, in some uh, images weird that they get the 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 color so off i mean oh, it's obviously yeah. for creative license you know yeah there were two poodles actually this part of one of the one of the stories is that he was given two poodles one of whom had a black coat and died early on so oh. that might explain some of it but we should also mention uh rupert did get out of prison in 1641 and that's where and you know boy went with him and maybe that other poodle and that's when he started you know, just pillaging <laughs> across right. across Europe, and and people people would see this on the battlefield, and they would uh, they started making this very effective propaganda about this. It's centered on the dog. I mean, we're not like Rupert did do 
messed up stuff. Like you said, in April 1643, uh, he was setting fire to houses in Birmingham and, you know, his dog is right there with him. And so these propaganda pamphlets start to come out. And one of them is a true relation of Prince Rupert's barbarous cruelty against the town of Birmingham. They spell it B-R-U-M. Yeah, oldie, old, oldie English. Um, uh, let's just also really quickly just get a few terms straight, not to belabor it too much. We don't want to get too um, in the weeds here, but this was the English Civil War. And yes. this was a conflict between parliamentarians and royalists. Parliamentarians being people that were loyal to parliament and royalists being people that were loyal to royals. Uh, and obviously, uh, Prince Rupert was firmly in that camp, given his proximity and uh, relation to all of these uh, royal bloodlines. Yeah, yeah. And there, this is an information war. Make no mistake, Parliament supporters were trying to spread word about Rupert as like a villain and a non-trustworthy, bloodthirsty dude. And they also, if you look at the woodcuts, which are freely available online, if you look at the woodcuts of Boy, B-O-Y-E, by the way, you will see something that looks a lot less like a poodle today and much more closely resembles a wolf-like creature. It's the kind of... If you have ever had a nightmare about a poodle... I think we're speaking to a very specific part of the audience today. Uh, but if you've ever had a poodle-related nightmare, this is a nightmare poodle. It, it's like uh, whomever was drawing these pamphlets or creating these woodcuts made Boy look more like a lion, wouldn't you say? And and it's it's probably bigger oh, than it actually was. For sure. Like I said, there's lots of these where there's definitely some styling going on, whether some of them were depicting a previous poodle or not. Um, they're all pretty ferocious-looking. And again, there were these pamphlets. Let's, let's not forget, this is a war against parliament. And there, there, there's lots of different sects, but I think the, the main cause uh, of the Civil War was people who were loyal to the royalists, King Charles I and II, and people who were loyal to parliament. And so that was where the beef came from. And so parliament was understandably trying to uh, win over the hearts and minds of the people, not only painting Rupert as this kind of elitist uh, royal sympathizer, but also literally like a witch or demon of some kind, you know, with mm. this uh, familiar devil dog at his side. Yeah, yeah. He was he was presented as a warlock, one who trafficked in the occult, and uh, he was also called a shapeshifter. <laughs> and these devilish powers were attributed to him. This was pretty effective. During 1642, this is before he's burning Birmingham, and he's already been an agent of chaos across the land. And during early 1642, hundreds and hundreds of pamphlets were printed every single month to either talk trash about the king's friends, which includes Rupert, or exalt the king's foes and make them look good and noble and just. So these claims were made when we have to remember the majority of people definitely just assumed witchcraft was a thing. Even if they didn't know too much about it, like if the the four of us, uh, Noel, Max, me, and, and you listening along at home, if we were back in that time and we said, hey, I think somebody, this just point to a random person, I think they might be a witch, you know, then other people would say, uh, I don't, yeah, they're definitely out there. Witches are a thing. Everybody agreed. Witches are a thing. Uh, so if you look at the pamphlets, you see what the mission of the propaganda is. It's to make people think that anyone who sides with the royalist is siding with the infernal powers. Mm -hmm. Like they're trying to make you think it's the same thing as supporting Lucifer or Satan. And the opposition uh, to the royalists were referred to, or at least one sect of them were referred to as roundheads. Oh, by the mm -hmm. way, also the, the royalists and, and Rupert, they were referred to as cavaliers because they apparently they their dress kind of uh, was reminiscent of the caballeros in Spain uh, and just the kind of like look of their kind of flowy silks and their whole garb or whatever. And then you had uh, supporters of parliament um, were, were often referred to as 
those roundheads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you also had a group under Oliver Cromwell, who we know, you know, <laughs> absolutely meant business and was about as puritanical mm-hmm. as they come. Uh, his men were known as Ironsides. Uh, yep. It makes me think of the actor Michael Ironsides. Yeah. And then, of course, there was Parliament Funkadelic, which is where the name of the band comes from. And if you think about it, most of their songs are about the English Civil War. Ben, I can't tell if you're joking or not, but I love it either way. Uh, and I do know you're joking. Uh, <laughs> uh, Parliament Funkadelic is great. Uh, the, band, the underrated band. People think of like only the George Clinton era, like the really like spaceship kind of, you know, vibe. Yeah, 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 their yeah. album Maggot Brain is actually like a total psychedelic masterpiece. Highly recommend if you haven't checked that one out. But okay, so we got your roundheads, right? Uh, and they were considered by the Royalists to be kind of dolty, right? Like a little mm-hmm. bit slow on the uptake. So they actually actually started writing their own propaganda. So it was really interesting flex. It was almost like a like a sat- was satire, but it was satire masquerading as actual propaganda against their own cause. So the royalists were writing up these pamphlets that were very similar to the ones the roundheads were putting out to try to, you know, turn public opinion against this devil dog and his, you know, uh, Luciferian master. But they would write these things that were almost so outlandish. They were feeding the rumor mill. Uh, they knew what they were doing and it was a way of mocking their, you know, their enemies. But I think it may have done, I don't know, like, do you think, this this seems like a good thing. If people are really starting to believe this stuff, it could strike fear into the hearts of people that would like, you know, meet uh, him in battle. Uh, You know, Rupert and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and boy in battle. Yeah, yeah, because now the information has spread such that even if you read this kind of stuff, Let's say you're a round head and you're like, oh, <laughs> okay, this is this is a little far. There are witches, but I don't know if this guy's a witch. And then all of a sudden, knowing this information, you see him in person on the on the battlefield and you see boy accompanying him. You might think, uh, I don't know, is he shot free? Because now the rubber's hitting the road. Uh, I love the satire, though, because there's this one royalist poet. Uh, that's uh, that we found in the Atlas Obscura article we mentioned earlier. Uh, his name is John Cleveland, and he is probably the source of the beginning, like comedic response to the parliamentarian propaganda. Uh, his he has this poem that he wrote called "To Prince Rupert," which we've read. You can find it online. We're not going to read it right now because it is it is very long. It is not a radio-friendly poem if you look at it, uh, but it's it's funny uh, the way that it the way that it traces uh, the powers attributed to Rupert. Anyway, so there are two fronts of this war. There's the information war, and then there's the actual war. The king tried to take London in November of 1642. He was not able to do this successfully, and he had to returned back to Oxford. And when this occurred, John Cleveland hits back again. He's sort of like a, maybe like a John Oliver-esque figure, you know, he's lampooning people. And he writes a satirical poem that mocks the roundheads for being dumb enough to believe that Rupert has magic powers. And he says, you know, the roundheads all believe this guy is a witch. They're all convinced that the prince's dog, boy, is his familiar, a demon in the shape of an animal. And this gives him, this may indeed be one of the sources of his power. Speaking of his powers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Boy's powers or Rupert's? Uh, Boys, um, Mm. specifically. I mean, this list started to grow and grow. And it got real specific. Um, Again, we've mentioned the idea that people believe Rupert was a shapeshifter. Oh, not to mention that there was heavily implied in some of these pamphlets. And something that I didn't even realize is apparently heavily implied in general with uh, witches or warlocks and their familiars is that, yeah, Rupert was definitely having sex with boy. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it was about there. There's a, there's an expression. There's something in one of these pamphlets that says that describes them as laying together sometimes with <laughs> Rupert upon boy and sometimes yeah. boy upon Rupert. Uh, so the yeah, you could cut that innuendo with a 
giant broadsword or something. Um, but so again, obviously intended to demean uh, and to other and to make Rupert into some sort of pariah, you know, or something that people would be like, this guy is unnatural. He's, you know, evil in every way. But the dog uh, had these, the following powers. Um, my favorite is that it, it possessed, it was polylingual and possessed the ability to speak in a quote, mixed language. Uh, M-I-X-T, love the old English. English spellings, mm-hmm. somewhere between Hebrew and High Dutch. Okay. Interesting. Um, he could see the future, or she could see the future. I'm sorry, it's really confusing when you got a dog right. called Boy that's uh, not a boy at all, that she could prophecy uh, or, or, or predict the future. We've also got, yeah, we've already, we've already mentioned being invulnerable uh, to bullets and, and just all around, you know, godlike in, in its uh, uh, ability to withstand attack. Yeah, also could find hidden treasure. That was one of the powers attributed to Boy. Also, a couple of things. These are coming from John Cleveland, by the way, a lot of these. These are coming from a royalist. Uh, Oh, that there, see? See, it had me. This is the definition of a Mm -hmm. whoosh moment Mm -hmm. because he, he is saying roundheads are dumb. They believe the following about this dog, but some of the things he describes sound more like very specific political jokes or very specific tricks that a uh, boy was trained to do. Like there's the idea that uh, if you say the name Pim, that boy will lift her leg. Like she's going to pee on Pim. And then there's the idea that if you ever say the word Charles mm. around boy, uh, the dog will immediately quote, come aloft. For whomever says that. <laughs> Wait, does that mean like come at them? I think so. I think so. I think it means a come for you. Wait, so it's like a I, dog that just goes beast mode whenever it hears the name but I, Charles. But I thought I thought boy liked Charles. I thought we were in Charles's camp. I know. I, I thought it was like a Charles in charge situation. But but yeah, or maybe it means I come aloft is a little vague, right? For us, yeah. it may mean that the dog just runs up to you and is your buddy, but maybe. it may mean, may mean he, it's a flying tackle. The, yeah, but maybe, okay, like maybe it's like a loving Dino to Fred Flintstone type tackle. You yeah, know what maybe. I mean? Um, I love this one. It's just so simple. Uh, the power to inflict death or injury on those who had wronged him. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this... So this was a big hit with other royalists. They thought it was hilarious mm-hmm. because they also said, yeah, we get it. Roundheads are dumb. And by January of 1643, it was uh, apparently common for supporters of the king when they're all around drinking, right, to cheers to Prince Rupert's dog. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like, cheers to ye boy, I guess. I just wanted to throw a ye in there. Of I course. like saying ye. No, yeast fun. It's a good one. I like yeet as well. Unrelated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but surely, I mean, I, I think this this probably worked, right? I mean, this uh, these rumors that the royalists themselves started about boy. I mean, I was taken in by it. I'm like, is this the fun stuff to repeat? Did you hear about the dog with the power to prevent others from making rational decisions by making them impotent in their minds? Have you heard of this, Ben? Yes, totally sounds like it checks out. Totally seems legit. I am terrified of this boy. Um, I wouldn't. Uh, He has the powers of the shadow from the golden era of radio and comics. Right, he can cloud men's minds. She boy can. She boy can. The last one on the list is she possesses the power to move you. (laughs) Right, that's 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 tenacious. This is just a tribute. Mm -hmm. It is to the greatest to the greatest dog in the world. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? 
Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, Bonneville's. Yeah. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. So whatever of these, you know, uh, <laughs> powers that the roundheads, the uh, parliamentarians actually believed, they 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 definitely seem to be some um, stock put in this idea that Boy and uh, Rupert were of the devil, were in some way um, wielding the black arts, you know, on the mm. battlefield. And it really got out of hand. It did. It did. Because it start like, imagine, it's the definition of not getting the joke. Like, imagine you saw a late night monologue, right, from one of the late night hosts, and someone said, oh, yeah, no, this is what whatever they're saying is absolutely, absolutely true. And you said, no, no, part of it's true. But this part is the joke. And they were like, you are a fool. This this is completely true. Why else would they bother to put it on television? Th this stuff spread. People were like, why else would someone bother to print it if it's not true? And we have to keep in mind a lot of people already wanted to hate this Rupert guy. So if you already want to dislike someone, it doesn't, like you're going to be very open to stuff that confirms your opinion. One of my favorites was that the idea that Boy was not a dog at all, but in fact, a quote, Lapland lady, meaning the Sami people of Northern Europe. And this area was infamous for its uh, quote unquote witches because of the traditional practices of those people. But as you said, the joke goes so out of hand. Parliamentarians totally have that whoosh moment. They don't get it. They start to think that it is factual information. The common folk, including some supporters of the Royalists, start believing these rumors. It's like they were reading Mad Magazine for news, kind of. That's how, that's how weird it got. And 
the people who didn't take witchcraft seriously on the royalist side still thought it was hilarious, but eventually it backfired and Boy gained a real reputation as a supernatural familiar. People genuinely believed this and this pre existing association with witchcraft by being allegedly shot free mm -hmm. didn't help uh, tamp the fire down. Right. Well, let's, let's not forget. I mean, it was uh, uh, Rupert was already considered to be pretty witchy in his own right before the dog even even came on the scene. So the royalists, though, uh, really looked at Rupert as this kind of symbol, right, of of, mm -hmm. uh, of their superiority on the battlefield, their whole brand, right? And the dog would be by his side. I mean, the, 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 Rupert was, in fact, a absolute beast on the battlefield. He was a very, very sharp tactician. Um, he knew how to sack. He knew how to pillage. And he could, like, do no wrong. I mean, he was beloved by his troops because he was out there on the front lines with them and with Boy. And Boy, in particular, his so incredibly popular uh, word of mouth of this magical dog, again, on their side, they're not calling it a devil dog. They're calling it a magical dog, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, it was spreading all around Europe. And the powers, the, this notion, these powers even reach Murad the Fourth, the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire, who said, "You know what? I want to give me one of those. I want to. Yeah, want to he's the one. Sultan. He's yeah. at the point where mm -hmm. he can just hear stuff and say, I want one of those. Make it so. You know, kind of like, kind of like the way a Prince was able to make ridiculous demands and people would just follow through with it. I'm talking about Prince, the uh, musical legend, uh, not a European Prince, but this, the Sultan was like that, was quite well-to-do, of course. And Boy even got the rank of Sergeant Major General. Uh, she was a mascot. She was a supporter on the battlefields. This is, this is a pattern we see in a lot of militaries across human history. Animals, whether they're wild or whether they belong to some specific person end up becoming these mascots and people people like having an animal on their side or just hanging out cats uh i did we ever do an episode on various military animals i want to i want to do one about military cats in particular A military cats yeah let's do it let's do it gotta be some weird military cat but probably belonging to a frenchman uh, yeah, you know, it depends on the cat. I think if we're talking big cats, it'd be dope to have a tiger on your side. We just, we, we got to work out the logistics, but they're probably, to your point, Nolan, probably house cats. As this continues, royalists still think this is hilarious. Roundheads are starting to get superstitious and genuinely believe that boy has these powers. But we're taking a turn. Max, can we get some, you know, like the music in, in the third act of it? Pixar Disney film where it gets kind of serious. Yeah, there it is. Okay, let's bring it down a little. Yeah, so on July 1st, 1644, Rupert's troops are coming in to support the Royalists in York. And this is currently held by the Marquess of Newcastle. The next day, Rupert and Newcastle put themselves in position in a place west of York called Marston Moor and they prepare themselves for battle. Most of the day, if you've been in a combat situation, you're probably familiar with this, it's surprising how you can spend a lot of time waiting, just kind of waiting around for something to happen. And that's what they did for most of the day. But from what we understand, in the early evening, forces commanded by a Lord Fairfax, the Earl of Manchester and the Earl of Levin, got together, they Voltroned up, and they launched a surprise attack. They had the advantage in numbers and they had the advantage in training. The troops were both better prepared and outnumbering the royalists. So they absolutely mopped the floor with them. They, the parliamentarians won this battle. Rupert, during the battle, his horse is shot under him. And so he hides in a field of beans, which feels like a, a piece of folklore, doesn't it? But that's what he does. It does. It really does. And, you know, the pamphlets kept coming. And uh, one of them that came out later that month um, said the following. He said, a valiant soldier who had skill in necromancy saw a boy and killed the dog, possibly shooting him with a brass button, which was mm. a, like a consider, I guess like a 
silver bullet kind of situation, like werewolf rules. Yeah, it was supposed to be. Uh, it was supposed to be a magical weapon. I guess is the implication. Right. Uh, the, the The real story feels accounts differ, but it, it looks like when they were fighting, Boy had been tied up in the royalist camp, but somehow got free and went to find went to find Rupert, her person. But she didn't make it, and it turns out that sadly, she was not bulletproof and expired on the field of battle. No one's sure what happened to Boy's body, but back to Mark Stoyle, he has an interesting suggestion. He says, you know, what if the parliamentarian soldiers knew that this poodle was Boy? Wouldn't they have wanted to take the body with them as a trophy? Yeah. Because it's the most, it is the most famous dog in England at the time, by far. Sorry, there's, I don't even know if there's a second place. Well, and you got to wonder, too, if maybe there was a, a sense that they could harness his abilities, even in death. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they weren't. Maybe, maybe I'm just a read too much uh, too fantasy and sci-fi. And a fun fact, uh, Boy was actually uh, one of the oldest living London dogs uh, that have been detailed in historical records of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that because it had very specific data about its uh, birth, uh, breed, color, and the exact date of his death. Yeah, yeah. And this story is still told today to a lot of school kids in England. But according to Mark Stoyle, all we have really, we don't have a ton of evidence. All we have are fragments of evidence and the propagandist campaign about the dog. Mm-hmm. So this is, this, this whole kerfuffle is kind of fake news at least mm-hmm. the, the propaganda aspect of it. And and it didn't stop. That's the thing. When Boy passed away, unfortunately, very sad, when Boy passed away, propagandists kept printing pamphlets about this. They did. Uh, I mean, it was good fodder, you know. It, it, was, uh, it gave folks something to fear and, and despise. Oh, and this is when he turns black. Aha. Okay, maybe it's because uh, it was, you know, f- somehow reanimated unholy or something like that you know coming from the great beyond sort of like when gandalf becomes goes from gandalf the gray to gandalf the white you know but like in reverse uh i could see that uh, so yeah i get like black philip for example the uh the demonic goat in the film the david eggers film or the robert eggers film rather the witch so that makes sense it was really kind of leaning into this whole idea of it being a uh, a satanic uh demon from from the pit so yeah we actually have a publication of one of those pamphlets that we have a, a record of called a dog's elegy or Rupert's Tears, and that was published in July of 1646. It sort of starts to build on that mythology because apparently, you know, History Mag, uh, the BBC piece that we referenced, does a really makes a really great point that in death, the dog was even more useful than in life for this propaganda war because now they could say whatever they wanted about it and there'd be no way for anyone to question it or, or have it be backed up. Um, mm-hmm. It was absolutely just a, the perfect storm of like, you know, generating these like larger than life stories about this uh, this cursed creature. Um, and so the royalists, they never really seem to mention Boy again because I think for them, they realized that their joke kind of backfired and now the, you know, parliamentarian um, pamphleteers were using this against them even still. So I think they were probably just like kind of tired of it at that point. Yeah, and it also would probably feel like bad form to continue propaganda for this poor guy's dog. Yeah, because Rupert's still alive. Rupert's still alive. So he he was probably goes back sad about this, you know, and and all his people, I think, didn't didn't want to maybe didn't want to, you know, pour salt on the wound. Yeah. So 1646, as you know, royalist cause collapses. Rupert hightails it for the European continent. And eventually, after the restoration of the monarchy, he returns to England and he is buried at Westminster Abbey in 1682. By this time, boy is old, old news. And no one is really talking about this pooch until the 18th and 20th century when scholars rediscover the satirical texts of John Cleveland And you have to think, this is something that Stoyle asked in History Extra. You have to think how tickled John Cleveland would have been to know that the joke he started 
way back in 1642 would still be around today. Luckily, we have a better understanding of it. Of course, you know, while I have yet to see a magic dog, if you have one or proof of one, I, I think we'd all love to see it. If you have a dog that can change shape, that's, I mean, do a little video clip. I'll, I'll yes, watch it. I'll hear you please. out. Oh, man. You can send all of that and more to us in our apparently working email, which is ridiculous at iheartmedia.com. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Max Williams. Thanks as well to Casey Pegram. Thanks to our own devil dog, Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. The Quister, who I, I have a feeling will be returning soon. There's a restaurant in my hometown of Augusta, Georgia called Knuckle Sandwiches. Which is, uh, I've always thought a very cute name. And they do a really fantastic spicy hot dog called a devil dog. I'm going to have to ask if it was named after a uh, boy. Uh, or That'd something. be hilarious it if would it is. Be. And, it would the, be. and the person who you're talking to, the restaurant owner, says, Yes, you know, really, I only run a restaurant to support my primary love, which is learning more about the English Civil War. I think we need more history-themed restaurants where, like, each, you know, food, I love it. food item in some way teaches you a lesson about yeah. history. Revolution. Revolution, indeed. Uh, let us know your history-themed restaurant ideas or any food-related history puns. Again, ridiculous at iheartmedia.com. So happy that it exists. going to say it one more time. Ridiculous at iheartmedia.com. You can also hit us up on social media individually. I am How Now Noel Brown on Instagram. You can learn more about my misadventures, my ongoing research, where I am at Ben Bullen on Instagram. Also, I got a bone to pick with you guys because I went to the trouble of getting that email address set up and I don't think I'm getting it. So I'm going to I'm going to try to fix it. But word on the street is Max and Noel can see them. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to I know I know Talk about punishing that, the uh, other you sent that test the other day and it came right through to me and Max. That is absurd. We'll give it a try, Ridiculous Historians. Hopefully, Ben will get them. And if he doesn't, I promise you, Ben, we will forward them to you immediately. But let's get to the bottom of that. Big, big thanks to uh, Eve's Jeffcoat. Big thanks to Christopher Hasi Otis. Uh, big, big thanks to Boy or Puddle, as she was sometimes called. Uh, you just, you can't beat having a cool dog. You know, it's, it's something to aspire to. I'd love to see people's dog pictures over on the Facebook page, Ridiculous Historians. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.